Thanks for tuning into Behind the Scene, a conversation dedicated to uncovering our biases and how to navigate them in a constructive way. Hi, I'm Mark Bauer. And this is Brandon Polk. And welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Behind the Scene, a bi-monthly conversation focused on understanding the biases that are at the root of society's racial tensions. You might notice that our sound is a little different, uh, and that's because we are no longer recording in my living room. Thank God. Yeah, we actually uh, are recording in an honest-to-goodness studio set up here in a creative space in D.C. with a soundboard and everything. So if you've ever had issue not being able to hear me because <laughs> my voice is not as loud as Brandon's, <laughs> right? <laughs> we have resolved that issue. We're maturing. We are maturing. Yeah. We're growing up. This is behind the scene all grown up. We're gr- Oh, no, not all grown up. We're no, more like yet. the awkward stepchild. Oh, okay. We're an awkward teenager. The awkward not teenagers even. where you're kind of gangly like in your like your ears are bigger than the rest of your face. Like that was my experience. Wow. As a teenager? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I, I mean, was a weird looking puberty kid. That's a hard teenage high school life that you're living here. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad we talk a lot about people going to counseling because yeah. that is rough. <laughs> that's why I needed it. That's rough. Uh, so if our voices sound a lot better, I don't know if that's a good thing necessarily because I've been told some of the feedback we got from season one was that our voices are so silky smooth that they put people to sleep. Great. And I don't know if that's a compliment or not. If, Who knew? Unless that's our goal of the podcast. Uh, but, I mean, no. I mean, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know that we're trying to do that. But I, We don't want you to go to sleep because we're boring. But if you really do en- enjoy the the texture of our voices, sort of like Barry White or um, Luther Vandross or Lionel Richie, mm. you know, Marvin Gaye, like all of these people that were, their voices were awesome. Sam Cooke, everyone, if you really like our voices that much. Just rattle off. Then that's what's going on. Then we know that we have at least a fallback. If the podcast doesn't take off, we, we can do some maybe... Bedtime stories. We could totally come up with our own podcast on meditation. For sure. We might we might do that. We might have to do that. It's a good idea anyway. Yeah. Uh, but we digress. So we're back here for season two. And uh, we're back here because racism is still a thing. <laughs> racism is still a thing. <laughs> we're, we're, we're back here because, well... I mean, I mean, it's still hard out here for a pimp. You know what I mean? It's still hard. (laughs) Uh, So in preparation for season two, there's and we'll cut to it here in a second. But we we do have a theme for season two, uh, kind of a reflection on season one was kind of just giving us dipping our toes in the water of trying to understand racism and bias and why we misunderstand each other in the first place. So that was like racism 101 or bias 101 season two is going to be a little bit more intense we think we're going to have some information that is actually going to uh i guess make visible some of the things that are invisible in terms of some uh inequities in society related to you know just uh like housing finance education dating uh, all mm. those kind of things, you know. I can't mm. wait for that one. That'll be no. Funny. I can wait, but we, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're gonna give it the old college try to get in there and do some excavation in a deeper way. And last season was that, right? I mean, last season was let's talk about whiteness and let's define it in a different way. Let's talk about white fragility and define it in a different way. Let's make it not as threatening, um, but let's keep it honest. Let's keep it real. And let's have real conversations and let's actually have discourse or at least um, 
you know, how we have that discourse between Mark and myself, you know, is that we, in, at a, in a very intentional way, you know, we're kind to each other. We're nice to each other. Let's actually demonstrate, um, you know, what the, what the decorum can be in having these discussions as we are um, still living in an ever increasingly more polarizing and otherizing culture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's what we need. And when we were recording in my living room, we were actually sharing a mic. We were sitting next to each other, cozy on a couch. And occasionally we had a candle lit. And so it was a very nice setting. You I don't, don't remember, remember you the don't candle. Remember the I, I remember the candles. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I obviously did. it meant more to you. <laughs> uh, and now we are sitting across. We're actually looking at each other now as we're kind of talking. So Yeah, there's quite, there's quite the gaze going on. Yeah, now. quite a gaze. And you're at least a good three feet away from me. So I think we can probably be a little more edgy absence makes the heart grow fonder that's right i already miss you i already miss you um (laughs) so this episode we're going to be talking about what does it actually mean to be human and like to make a good human last if you remember last season we talked about dehumanization in episode 14 uh but today we want to tackle what it actually means to be human and to be seen because we we kind of we understand like after hundreds of thousands of years of human existence, millions of years, depending on where you fall on the scientific understandings, uh, you would think that we would have this thing figured out by now. And I think that um, we understand what makes a good tomato plant, for example, and we can understand how we can grow fruit and food and raise animals. But when it comes to the whole human condition, we kind of always seem to be a little perplexed by that still. And so. Um, that's what we want to talk about today is, is what are the base things that make a good human being? Makes a good human life. being. It's a little strange question, isn't it? Like what makes a good, it's like the oxymoron of oxymorons, you know? Mm. Like is there such a thing as a good human? Mm. Has there ever been? Will there ever be? And is it like based on percentages or is it like pass fail or right. <clears throat> is it like you're all in or you're yeah. not, you know what I mean? Like all things. And, you know, kind of answering my own question is kind of amusing because it is a, an, an interesting thing in in the culture that we live in that we do make these snap judgments of people because if you vote a certain way or if you look a certain way or if you think a certain thing, if your ideology is one one thing versus another thing, you know, then we say you're not a good human. And we point the finger at certain people now in a polarized culture and say, hey, like in this extremist um, or more like extreme version of of um of thought and ideology you know actually demands that we look at someone and say hey i'm better than you because i believe this you know um point number one um to be a good human probably requires that you don't judge other people um just saying i want to put that out there you know um you think it's obvious but the reality is that even if someone is judgmental it's probably not good for you to judge them based on that now what is judgment i don't mean like like not like assessing people's um, thoughts or their behaviors. Like we need judges, you know, we need people to actually execute justice with equity, with equality, things like that. We're judging behavior, but are we judging people's value? Like their actual worth? I think that's what we do all the time now. And if the political state, you know, of the country is any indication of that, like these are the people that are setting the example, you know, like, I mean, we don't want to call them out by name, but we might, you know, like how people on the left or the right or in the center or whatever they are, you know, just happen to say that thing about that 
person on the other side of the aisle, you know, that dehumanizes them. And that's probably not something you want to do if you want to at least project goodness. Yeah. And what is that dehumanization except for elevating your own experience and denigrating somebody else's, you know, someone else, yeah. whatever, however they're, they're living their life. And it's really popular now to say, oh, I'm living my truth, which I get, I understand the tension between that statement because, uh, you know, you might hear a lot of people say, well, truth is universal, which it is like, there's no relative truth, but I think the human experience, and we'll probably get into this a little bit later is I think there is a bit of relativity to it. And that's hard for people to hear and to kind of wade through because I'm not saying that truth is relative, but I think that there's a universal truth just like that weighs on all of us that we're all susceptible to, but then maybe looks different in each of our lives, which is yeah, a really tricky, a hairy place to be. Interesting concept. I mean, not everyone. I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I believe in an absolute truth. I also believe I don't know everything. <laughs> so everything about that truth, I have, I am not privy to yet. So as I'm growing and as I'm learning, as I'm living, as I'm praying, as I'm listening, then there's a deeper understanding, deeper revelation, um, more wisdom that comes and invades my own being around what that truth is. Now, other people are going to say the truth is relative and is about my experience and um, secularism would, would, would definitely say that, you know, that your experience is your truth and your perception is your truth. Um, in psychology, there's actually some truth to that because it's about felt truth and it's about truth through which it's, it's thoughts, feelings, behaviors, which we've talked about before, you know, that if you think a certain thing, you'll feel a certain way. And when you feel a certain way, you'll behave a certain way. And, and the trick of behave of, of like changing behaviors is, is being able to disrupt the actual thought, right? To really disrupt what truth you believe about yourself with another truth that is that actually um, gets you to see the truth that you held on so tightly as a lie. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, and, and this is the problem with relativism, you know, in yeah. a sense, you know. Um, uh, so anyway, but we digress because that's going to take us down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. it's I but I I think it's relevant in in the context of, of trying to even unpack what it means to be a quote unquote good human, right? Like where do we get that knowledge from? Um, it demands then that, 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 that there's a certainty of truth perhaps in order to measure even for the person to measure for him or herself, what it means to be good. Yeah. And is goodness a state of your own being or is goodness something that I'm doing? You know, is goodness a part of, um, is is goodness attributed to me because of how I do good or is me being good something that the Bible says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made does that make me good what does it mean like what are we talking about and yeah. there's something to just being created that makes me like God rested and he said it was good like right. I'm good it doesn't mean I'm perfect right. this means I'm good and that's so yeah and backing it up a little bit like the, just the basic needs uh, that we are required to stay alive is you know sustenance we need food and water obviously uh we need to have sex some of us to procreate you know and some some of us uh, and, <laughs> some, and not not everyone gets to do it just so you're saying just, yeah, I mean, just it's, you know that's 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 true it's, it's true. true not everybody gets uh, it not, not everybody gets it uh, you're not entitled to it and that's absolutely right and even though there are some people who are saying that, that you should be like for real, that's actually a thing. Um, it's true. And then sleep, breathing, shelter, not dying. Like these are all the things that are going into, uh, you know, our basic needs and being just 
surviving, just perpetuating, just living. But then outside of those things, because like unlike a tomato plant, which we know what makes a good tomato plant, sunshine, <laughs> it's so awkward. Water, I'm, a, I'm a tomato plant. I'm a tomato plant. <laughs> I'm a tomato plant. Go ahead. It's um, a good point. Keep making. So, out, but outside of that, like what makes a human flourish is what you would call con- some sort of level of contentness and and happiness and pleasure, and these are all good things, but not altogether that because we can. Uh, we can chase the dopamine. We can chase the things that make us happy and feel good, you know, like sex or or food or sugar or alcohol or success. Uh, like those things all make us feel good. But at the end of the day, there's also something that is empty in that. And so that's kind of like as we're stumbling our way through life, trying to figure out what exactly makes us tick, uh, what makes us happy. Um, we also have to do this simultaneously while fighting off identity that the world is trying to put on us and so in american culture you know you talk about success again something that can be very addictive uh or if you are you know a black person like this is your role in society if you're a woman this is your role in society this is what uh you're supposed to be uh the world is sending us all kinds of signals about who we are and, and what we should be um and so while we're simultaneously trying to just figure out like what is my state like as an Enneagram nine peacemaker? Like there are some revelations I've had about myself. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like I'm, I'm a night person. Like not that that's an Enneagram thing, but this is another revelation I've had about myself is I'm never really going to be a morning person. Someone who gets up at five o'clock in the morning and just cranks out his day, you know? Um, and I'm okay with that. I have to be okay with that. And so that those, those little elements of like understanding yourself to understand, uh, how you're going to operate at your best, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. In light of the conversation of being good too, you know, the definition of sort of like owning your own truth or finding out things about yourself. I mean, all of that, you know, like I think that this is probably the best way to be human maybe is just to continue to grow, you know, continue to gain some understanding about yourself. <clears throat> I, I, I think, I mean, I really hesitate with, with the word good and rather just what does it mean to be human, you know, and what's the expectation in, of, of humanity that is a healthy expectation, especially as it, as it's related to success and defining success that currently, if even across the world, you know, that if we look at success and say it's about making money or about family or about children or you know whatever it may be you know that the real um thing that we're learning is that people aren't happy when they get those things you know um uh, i was just doing a talk somewhere over the weekend and i said you know look at people like howard hughes you know who were who was a billionaire tycoon you know um but by the end of his life was addicted addicted to codeine and you couldn't recognize him his friends and his family couldn't recognize him they said that he was only recognizable by his fingerprints. Mm. Like that was it. Wow. You know, um, Michael Jackson, need I say more? And then you've got people like Robert Redford, you know, who said that, you know, after all of his success and all the things that he gained, you know, you know, wanted to take his life at a certain point, you know? So there's a lot of this, you know, what does it mean to be human is to feel all of those things. And maybe that's just it. Maybe you just, we just let people be human and if everybody let people be human, 
by let my human self, let your human self be human, then maybe that would give us a chance to do good mm-hmm. in the world, you know? Yeah, and in those examples too, like I watched uh, Bohemian Rhapsody over the weekend as well and um, like learned a lot about Freddie Mercury that I didn't know previously. And it's kind of the same thing with that success comes a certain amount of loneliness and isolation and but then you're chasing the next big high after that you know you're chasing the next big song hit you're chasing the next party you're chasing drugs alcohol sex whatever it is and when you are kind of bouncing around from high to high to high you're almost just like a operating in a pinball machine where you have no real compass for for what's going to bring you actual joy that surpasses all those things and so while there's nothing okay maybe necessarily wrong with some of those things that we are supposed to enjoy if we anchor our identity in that and chase after it to the point of losing ourselves then that's where it can become mm-hmm. harmful and that's when we become a shell of ourselves mm-hmm. yeah you know at the root of it just as i'm meditating while you're talking as you're talking meditating on what you're saying while i'm and now talking and reframing it Um, thinking about you know the the word good and really um, you know just in in the context of the conversation that we've started here um, so I'm getting kind of serious but I I think uh, we have a lot (laughs) of growing to do just as a culture when it comes to not only this conversation around race, of course, but around everything. And the conversations that we need to have are not conversations that can really be done effectively with people that are automatically vitriolic or offended or like offendable or self-preserving or self-hating. And I think... This is coming out of me, but I just I'm just thinking about it for the first time. I I think that what it means to really be good is just to be like good to yourself, you know. But even that is complicated because what I what I really mean is get healthy, <laughs> you know. And like and we were talking about this before, sort of our pre-production around like why is it that we could even take this conversation around race and transfer it onto other people who are so angry, so passionate, so envious, doing so much comparison, so much vitriol coming out of our own mouths around the conversation. And in reality, I'm black. I'm not even angry. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm like, what is going on? You know, why is everybody so touchy? You know, and I'm not saying that we don't need to be passionate about the issue, but the intention of my passion is everything. Mm -hmm. And the constitution of that passion and how I live it out is everything. And if I'm just doing it because I'm tapping into some childhood wound, it doesn't do anything for anybody on the receiving end of the conversation that needs to happen. It actually makes things worse for them. You know, think, I mean, look at politics. You can get it today. Politics is 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 actually this problem um, right now is that we have a lot of unhealthy people who are holding positions of power who are walking around making all kinds of crazy statements without any sense of personal responsibility because they'd much rather take the country down the hole of dissension than to actually take responsibility for why they're hurting personally. 
using this whole thing, every topic of conversation, whether it's immigration or race or poverty or homelessness or whatever it is, and using it as a scapegoat so they don't have to deal with themselves. And I would much rather not do that. I don't need to do that. I need to be healthy so I can actually make a difference for people that need it, as opposed to continuing a conversation that's going down a dead-end hole. Now, that's not to say that I don't believe in policy. I think we need to be advocates for policy. Somebody's got to get in there and do it. That's not to say I'm, I'm, I'm not an anarchist and, and by by any means, but I am saying let's actually look at this thing for what's really going on and let us not, as people that are lay people who are people in the community, um, take not take responsibility for ourselves. We are actually the ones that to put people in office and we're the people that are doing work out in these streets out in these streets doing all of the work that people need people of color people that have been disenfranchised for whatever reason we're the ones that are responsible for it so sorry yeah. i just no, i'm don't, just feeling that don't apologize and it's funny that you were kind of feeling that because that's exactly what i've been feeling over the last couple of days and just i'm like if i think about turning on even the news like I get a lot of my news from Twitter and even that I've had to clean my feed just so I'm not getting a bunch of junk but like there's nothing in me that compels me to want to turn on cable news especially at the end of the day and I'm just like because what is cable news except like I like the word that you use transference of your anger and your your bitterness and and pointing out to evil in the world which exists uh, but I think we watch it and we watch it maybe to kind of make us feel better about our own darkness. You know, if we watch and turn on the news and see a mass shooting and we get angry about it, well, look at that darkness. My darkness isn't so dark after all, like in in comparison. And, you know, where the issue is guns, like, oh my gosh, so many evil people out there with guns. Like if only we didn't have guns. Uh, obviously a touchy subject for me. <laughs> Bless like, him, Lord. Yeah. So obviously you can tell this is... This is Marky likes his guns. Uh, uh, <laughs> if you've never been shooting before, give me a call. We'll go. We'll go to the gun range. I don't mind guns. Guns are fine. Yeah. Guns yeah. are fine. It's the... Yeah, anyway, go ahead. Uh, but, th- but that is... Um, I, I guess that's ultimately my point is that we, we try to identify the monster in the closet while forgetting that we are potentially... our own monster under our own bed um and we just Mm. we don't want to deal with it Mm, that's true we be walking around thinking that the monster's in the closet but it's us it's us Mm. it's true it can totally be us and you know and the story we tell um the story we make up you know about ourselves and the competency that we make up when it comes to these conversations i mean you know I'm cable news is one thing, you know, and I think there is a place I'm a believer in free press. Like I'm a believer in free speech. Like I am all about it. Like I, I need it, you know, and it's in its, in its best form, you know, that these are the tenets on which our country is built on and we need it. You know, um, how else do we parse out the truth from the lie? You know, this is why it's there. Now, what we're calling out today is not saying let's not have that. We're saying let's have more of that. Let's have vigorous debate. Let's actually get in there and unpack the, the details as things get more complicated around policy and politics and bureaucracies and, and everything. Let's do that. What I'm really saying, in addition to that, what we are saying, I think, in addition to that, is let's just bring the humanity back into the whole thing and let's not disassociate ourselves from our genetic makeup. You know, we said this in season one, we are 99.9% the same. And that isn't just in relationship to race. That's in relationship to being just human, period. 
right? And so if, quote unquote, the Speaker of the House versus, quote unquote, the majority leader who's of the opposite party or the minority leader who's in the opposite party, whatever it is, are looking at each other not as human, then how can you have a conversation with them with any type of respect or reasonable decorum, right? Now, the problem is that those people are doing it in their ivory, whatever. They're, they're separated, right? We have to consider them. But I don't think we can actually hold power or be people of influence in, in like relationship to how those policymakers and decision makers act until we as lay people like this podcast is it better be it should be an example of what it means to have civil discourse, but it should also be an example of what it means to take responsibility. Right. It should also mean something to someone on the other side of this and compel any listener to go out there and do something with their lives and not to project or transfer right any of their own bias, good or, you know, whether you're on the side of righteousness or not and how you actually live your life. But if you if, if the intention is jacked up, right, then something gross is going to come out of there eventually when you really get to a place of responsibility or a place of influence. Where we really need you. We really need your voice. So. This is for everybody out there who's trying to do something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Deal with you, baby. Deal with you. Deal with you first. You know? And people are like, I thought this was a racial podcast. And uh, <laughs> Well, and I'm still black. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still white. I'm still black. He's still uh, white. Um, but, but yeah, these are, you know, racism is a manifestation of a brokenness that begins inside and in, in our hearts. And Breach. So if we can uh, correct that, then we can correct all kinds of ills, not just racism, but all kinds of other things. And so earlier you mentioned that us being human, all those, the list of the basic needs that I mentioned earlier, like sustenance, food, water, uh, shelter, sleeping, breathing, like those are true across the board, whether you're black, white, Democrat, Republican. And so um, we all seek we are all the same and it's the status that we pursue to differentiate us from other people to make us feel better about other people. And so when I'm looking in the mirror, I'm looking, that's, I'm doing a status assessment. I'm making sure my, my hair is kempt or, uh, that my clothes look just right or just fit because that, uh, projects a certain, I guess, amount of togetherness, uh, that I want people to, to think that I have. And, or maybe it's a name brand clothing or the car that I drive, whatever the case is, I'm trying to project a certain amount of status um, in the world. And so, and even when I look in the mirror, what do I see? What is staring back at me, but a white man. Um, And so that is something that I can't shed. So how much of my identity am I putting in being white? Like there was an interesting uh, video conversation. I think it's pretty well known where this woman posed a question to an audience. Like if you could switch your experience with someone else, if you could come back, black would you and the room was silent because nobody wanted to say yes that they would and these white people nobody said that they would and i think that that itself like that silence is indicative of the fact that we know that there's a brokenness but we don't want to talk about it we know that there's inequities in the world related to race and we don't want to talk about it we don't want to own up to it um yeah i don't know where i was going with that but yeah no i i i I I think that's good. I mean, the point you make around like, is it, do we put in our, is how much of your identity is in being white? How much of your identity is in being woke and white? How much of your your identity is being in woke and black? How much of my identity is in being educated in black? How much of my identity is in, and then the list goes on, right? And this goes back to the singular point we're making, right? Is that even in the context of this podcast, right? 
let us not be so ambitious and so um, disconnected from our own ailments here that we don't recognize the opportunity that we have to exploit the issue for our own gain. And what I mean is not just like gain monetarily or through sponsorships or whatever. I mean like gain as in I'm not dealing with my pain, Mm -hmm. right? And the reality is that, you know, we can, um, you know, get stuck in the routine of doing good, what we believe is good, and never actually come to terms with who we are. And that is a problem. It is a serious problem because if I'm not locked into the divine and 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 the wonderfulness um, of who I am and how I was made, then doing good is cheap without that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only good and, and it's good for the person on the receiving end of it. You know, there's a, a, a several scriptures in the Bible, you know, where a set of disciples come to, come come to Jesus and they say to him, we've raised the dead and healed the sick in your name. And he says to them, depart from me, you wicked evildoers. You know, I don't even know you, you know, it's, I don't know their name. And so here's the moral of that story. Any one of us can do good in the name of the divine, right? But he doesn't allow us to do that goodness because that's an endorsement of us. It's not an endorsement of us. He does. He, he uses us as a, he, she, whoever you're calling God uses us as an, an, as, as a conduit for his goodness toward other people because he cares about them, mm-hmm. but he cares about us in the sense that we don't need to pretend right? Come to me. Just come to me as you are and be what you are. And if I can't do that, you know, and I keep laying down my life for things and then nobody recognizes it, I don't get the affirmation. I don't get the sustenance. I don't get the food. I don't get that from all these other sources. Then I'm mad and I'm angry at the world because I didn't get it. But the reality is that it wasn't supposed to come from these outside sources. It was supposed to generate from the inside of you, Mm -hmm. boo-boo. supposed to come from the inside of you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't Take time to actually generate and understand that you're, that everything you need is living on the inside, right? That your value and your worth is actually what is, is, is needed for innovating and for creating, for making that difference, for doing that good over the long haul, over the long term. What does 60, 70 years of your life look like dedicated to doing good? That's not going to be sustained by someone telling you how great you are. Mm. That's going to be sustained by you knowing that you're enough mm-hmm. and knowing that you're good. Mm-hmm. And knowing that you're perfect, not knowing that you're not perfect and that you are human. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all we're saying. And it doesn't mean we're not going to talk about the nitty gritty about race and all that kind of stuff in this conversation. But we are going to work on our intention and we're going to promote a healthy intention and a healthy interaction within the context of like, hey, we're not just having this conversation for us. You know, we're having this conversation from the place of our own identity, working on it, knowing that we're valuable, knowing our own worth, knowing our own esteem, and that's it, you know? And and then we'll be able to fight for other people without needing to steal whatever life force it is we're taking from people outside of this to make us feel better. Right. No, 100%. And that's what one reason I'm grateful for, you know, our friendship is because we, we talk about that. We talk about, I'm, I'm always, or I'm trying to be cognizant always of areas of my life where I'm putting my identity. And, um, and that, and one way that I can do that is by being in relationship with people like you and who kind of help me point out those blind spots where I'm like, man, I might be holding too closely to such and such where you've, you've helped me identify some areas where I might be holding on too closely to things. And so like even in one thing that I've talked about all, always, is, and this is where I had the realization was uh, in relationship when I sought counseling, uh, I learned that I, I was using 
I'd used women in the past to uh, affirm my value. And so just like if we're trying to diet or if we have any kind of addiction like to sugar or alcohol, you go through the initial detox and that's supposed to kind of just kind of cleanse all that out of you so that you don't have those immediate cravings and those urges that are, you know, trying to compel you to feed yourself more. And that was kind of what I had to do at the end of my relationship. And once I had the realization that that's what I would, would do is if a woman gave me attention at a party, I'd light up like a Christmas tree. Like for the next two years, I, I wanted to walk, excuse me, walk in singleness uh, so that I could know like I wasn't driving value from that. And I wanted to see the the dignity in, in other women too. So I'm not just using them for my own ends, uh, a means to mm-hmm. my ends, which was, you know, affirming me. Uh, and usually, honestly, like some of the women who would, I guess, give me attention were, I guess, I mean, everybody's broken, but there's some brokenness in there that I was exploiting, you know, like what, what kind of feedback were we giving each other? Uh, like they were feeling valued by me and vice versa. And so, uh, just being very guarded in that has been something that I've had to do over the last couple of years. And then just identifying other areas too, like even in this, the podcast, like being very careful that like success and uh, that we want it to be heard by a large audience, but like that success isn't what's going to affirm this, that this is something that's coming out. And and ultimately, like success is something that I've been very kind of scared of, honestly, like in early in life. And I've shied away from because I didn't want it to come from a place where I was, you know, finding affirmation there. And when I decided to when we decided to do the podcast, I felt safe with it because I was going to burst if we didn't talk about it, you know, mm. uh, if I, if I held it in any longer. And so that's when I kind of trusted myself with, with it. And so being just a little honest here, uh, that's when I knew that I could go out and put out a podcast and that I was at a healthy enough place to do it in the first mm-hmm. place. Yeah. And, and the goal is, you know, when we're talking about even intentionality, you know, and, and like quote unquote good intentions, um, as opposed to Cruel Intentions, if you like that movie. Um, oh, poor Ryan. <laughs> so sad. Um, but, um, you know, it's not about perfection. And I think that's that's the thing. I think that, you know, if, if there's any encouragement that I think that we're gleaning from the entire thing is that whether, you know, you're someone that identifies with Mark or you identify with me or you identify with both of us in some way, you know, like we are not coming at this like, you know, with a clean slate. We've got history we've got story we've got complicated conversations we've had even around not just around the podcast but around race itself in between us like it's just like this stuff is not just i mean it's it's half baked in a sense you know what i mean because we're coming out we're just literally pushing record and seeing what stupid thing we can say next <laughs> you know like challenge phrase like yeah. put this dumb thing in <laughs> you know trying to outdo each other in stupidity seriously you know and then every now and again it's like you know something divine you know sort of like channels through you know and, you know, for some of the people, you know, who have sent us messages and said, man, this really like spoke to me or I'm going to therapy or I'm or I'm going to talk to my parents, you know, about what it means to, you know, like be white, you know, or whatever it is or, you know, or even ways in which, you know, it's it's hard to be African-American and to be African-American in a situation like maybe similar to mine. Maybe it's not, you know, but just to be um, or just to even be unpacking this content and telling this story is hard, you know, um, and then to do it in a way, uh, you know, where it's, where it's civil, where the discourse is, um, is meaningful without pacifying anything, but it still calls us to a responsibility to treat each other with dignity and with respect. 
this is, I think, what we're defining as quote unquote being good mm-hmm. is actually owning how bad you are. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? To be good, you have to own your your bad your badness. Side, your badness. Your shadow. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, there is no light without the shadow. Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, not. you can't even discern the light without mm-hmm. the shadow. Yeah. And in recognizing that we all have a little bit of that darkness in us is is huge too. Mm-hmm. Because that way it doesn't control you either. If you're trying to run from it, then it's still controlling you because it's chasing you. You're running. Yeah. You know, um, we're in a season of Lent right now, uh, a Christian tradition uh, that is a season of reflection and, and foregoing. Uh, some some Christians, um, I guess, adhere to it a little more strictly than others. You know, Catholics are, are big and even in Catholicism, there's different um in in i guess adherence to it uh but it's difficult to give something up during lent and this is kind of to i guess help recalibrate or refocus and to understand where there might be where we might be placed misplacing identities and it's a good exercise in discipline too at least it has been for me like in my family didn't really grow up adhering to lent so it was something that i'd like begin adopting because i just thought it's a good practice of you know for 40 days can you can you recalibrate? Can you discipline yourself? And for me, like mine, I have a sweet tooth, man. And like, so I'm forgoing sugar and a couple other things. Um, and, and it's just hard. Like sugar is actually harder for me than alcohol. Like it's just, it's real, man. I, mm. I'm not eating chocolate. So, Give it up. Yeah. So, Give it up. And then I'm a little lethargic. So, um, but that to say that like there is a, a certain amount of self-emptying that has to take place. Um, to be able to recognize where you might be putting your identity. So if, you know, like I, I take inventory and I'm like, okay, I'm eating a lot of sugar. I need to cut that out. I'm going to empty that from my from my diet or, or whatever the case is. And so same likewise in our lives, um, we have to detox our bodies or, or self-empty. Um, or I'm sorry, just like we do that with food or harmful chemicals, we want to self-empty to, to detox our minds of harmful ideas or maybe misplaced identity. And um, so self-emptying is just something that I've heard recently that I, I've gravitated to that term because I think it's really illustrative of, um, like I think people can wrap their minds around it a little bit. Like even when I brought it up at panel discussions, like people afterward ask me about self-emptying. Tell me more about that. And I think it's a very biblical term. Uh, I don't know if it started with like, maybe Jesus spitting that out. Like, I don't know if it's (laughs) specifically Christianity, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, like, you know, the fasting is definitely something, you know, that goes back, you know, to the beginning of the, to the beginning of time or whatever, you know, I mean, but, or at least of the, of the biblical narrative, but, um, you know, Moses went on a 40 day fast and, um, Elijah went on a 40 day fast in the Bible and Jesus went on a 40 day fast. And, um, you know, there is a lot to be said for volunteering yourself into self-denial or denying thyself for the greater good, for a greater cause. And we haven't done resources yet, but if you guys are interested and kind of curious, you know, you want a book that's sort of like, takes you through some of the possibilities that come from self-emptying, you know, fasting, um, like radical fasting, maybe not so radical fasting, whatever it is, you know, there are varying degrees, you know, but I've heard some pretty amazing stories and, um, and experienced some crazy things like myself, but 
you know, Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting by Derek Prince. And you should get it, whether you're a Christian or not, you should get it. And the stories in that book and the encouragement in that book to take that chance, um, honestly focuses on exactly what we're talking about today. Like if doing good, like really doing good comes from a place or from a position of being so secure in yourself that you deny yourself, that you're actually not being self-preserving. That is actually the recipe for doing good, like massive change where you actually are shifting the tenets of history mm-hmm. in the world. Is that not what we're trying to do here? Yeah. You know, some of this stuff, man, y'all might think this is like crazy new AG or hyper spiritual or whatever it is. Look, I'm not that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I am, I, I think it's, it's something different. A lot of people have faith. There are a lot of people that are going to be doing that, you know, and sort of exercising their faith during this Lenten season. I don't think that, I think faith is great. I am a person of faith. I don't think faith is what makes us spiritual. I think that there are a lot of spiritual people out here that don't believe in the same God I do. Okay. And there are a lot of people of faith that aren't spiritual at all. And I think that what the challenge here um, is, 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 is to be spiritual. And what does it mean to be spiritual except to be curious about you and to actually recognize, to acknowledge that you didn't come up with you. You didn't come up with the idea of you. Your parents didn't come up with the idea of all the parts of you. So you came from somewhere. Now the question is, do you care? <laughs> and do you care to be in, like investigative about that and hit the wall when you realize you can only go but so far mm. in your own reasoning? to the point where you have to consider that something has happened, mm-hmm. right? Something has led to the creation of you and the creation of your neighbor and the creation of the world and the creation of things that you need and the creation of things that you find beautiful, mm-hmm. right? And without that level of curiosity, we also won't be able to carry on this conversation either because you're not going to be searching. We don't actually have the muscle of searching for the beauty in other people um, without trying to control or change them. Mm. Yeah. And that's the great paradox is that, uh, you know, you lose your life to find it and it's better to give than to receive. Like those are, uh, truisms, you know, and that we find in ancient wisdom from, you know, religious texts, uh, like Christianity. And, um, and when I was in counseling, I was bemoaning to my, my therapist. I was like, man, why can't we just like come with an instruction manual, like on how to be like live and and he's like he paused for a second he's like well i think some people would believe that we do and it's uh religious texts and it kind of just like i've grown up in the church i've always been christian and um but i've um, i'm also too not someone who's just like hyper spiritual woke like new wagey like i i'm very much like grounded i like logic and science and like earthy things like uh, an understanding and like i don't like really big hypothetical ideas and so uh, I was like, well, dang it. Like, this is a point in my life where I was out of church for several years. And he said that. And that was one of the things that kind of preceded uh, my journey back to the church was because I recognized all these things that we were talking about in counseling that he went to school for to learn psychology and to become a therapist. All these, A lot of these things were things that I learned that I could point back to that I learned in church growing up in Sunday school. I'd be like, oh, oh like, I get that. Like, I, I completely understand that's when Jesus said this. And so uh, somehow, for whatever reason, especially if you believe in truth and an adulterated reality and that that's what God is, 
like that was kind of the light bulb that went off in my head and was kind of the keystone for all this like understanding of, about the world and um and so yeah i i completely agree you don't have to be religious um but there is something to all this and even christianity like the name christian is uh little christ or little jesus like like christ and so it wasn't like these people created this name and they're like okay well these are all the guidelines that we have to put in place to be a christian you know a good christian but it was modeling the after what they observed in jesus himself mm-hmm. when he walked the earth and so mm-hmm. um yeah we we know the way we just all these other things get in the way of it yeah we, we know the way we we know the way we don't know how to live <laughs> we know the way we don't know how to live it you know and ask any christian out there and ask any person who isn't a Christian who came across a Christian and ask them if they felt like they were, that the Christian was a good one or not. You know what I mean? Like, let's just be real about it, you know? And when it comes right down to it, you know, I'm a, I'm a 100% believer, you know, that whether you're a Christian or an agnostic or Buddhist or Hindu or whatever it is, you know, that there is a value in my security and my faith and there's a value in another person's security and their faith that when we get together and start talking about that thing, you know, whatever it is or whatever the ideology is, you know, that someone is going to have something so compelling to say that it's going to make me think, hmm, hmm, Mm. things that make you go, hmm, right? If I'm really listening and it doesn't mean that when that happens that I have to compromise what it is that I believe, you know, even in its fundamentals, you know, that I have to give away anything. It does mean that if I look at someone and believe they have something to contribute, that they can even contribute to me. Yeah. And to my life, and I don't have to be afraid of them. Mm. I don't have to be afraid of the other. Yeah, I don't have to be afraid of someone else's thought life or their ideology, right? But I can love people, and right. I don't have to conform to them. I want to be transformed in the renewing of my mind. Right. I want to be renewed. I want to be restored. I want to be sourced, right? And it's not what people are giving to me or what I feel like I need in terms of affirmation or whatever it is from other people. What sources me is how I give myself. Mm. I'm glad you brought up giving specifically because that's something that I was thinking about in terms of like, you know, another paradox is better to give than to receive, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of topsy-turvy. Are we dealing with the Riddler here? Are we dealing with Jesus? Like whatever, (laughs) what is this? What's going on? Uh, And I think it's, and even you said this earlier, like you can give away fortune, you can do all this in Jesus' name, but like at the end of the day, does that mean you're any better? Does that mean you're so-called good? And I think that, uh, by giving, especially when it comes from a place of pure intentions, is because you can see yourself in the other. You see the other person for being human, and so then you can also see their hurts because mm-hmm. um, giving allows us to take our gaze off of ourselves for a moment to observe the hurt in someone else, um, and I think it's in the other that we are fully able to see ourselves and vice versa, right? And so um, I have to be stop. I have to stop looking at myself long enough that I can identify that someone else might be hurting. Someone else might be hungry. Someone else might be physically hurt. Uh, maybe someone else is just downtrodden, which I don't even know. I don't even know what downtrodden means. <laughs> like, we'll have to pull up the, the dictionary. It's like it's such an interesting word. Look it up, y'all. Yeah. Uh, so maybe just downcast or morose, like an Eeyore. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what I'm talking about here. So, uh, but I think that that's kind of a, a good place to, to land it on. Yeah, that's great. What, uh, what should so we leave everybody be, with? A- be human. Be seen. Um, we're going to talk about it. 
Yeah. We're going to get into what it means. I mean, if, if you're listening, whether you're listening today or three months from now or six months from now, whatever it is, you know, the reality is that, well, the courage, the noble pursuit, I think that you can get out of this whole episode, perhaps, is that being you is the hardest thing. Showing up unfinished, knowing that you are everything, is the hardest thing. Being broken while being fully healed is the hardest thing. So, do it. I'd say drop the mic, but these aren't our mics, and so I don't want to damage <laughs> they them. They aren't our mics. Don't drop them. <laughs> no, that's 100% true, and our theme this, this season is Be Seen. Hashtag Be Seen. Use it on the interwebs, on the social. But the idea we hope that you understood by the end of this episode is that we don't want you to be seen outward. Like, we want you to see yourself. Yeah, uh, be, be seen. Be seen. Be seen for Look who you. you are and all your dignity that, that comes with that from um from wherever you're here whatever reason that is whatever reason that is so thanks for tuning in uh we are changing the podcast format a little bit maybe not the format necessarily but the frequency we're not going to be doing every week because we we taking a break we taking a little breather we going a little slower <laughs> we're going slower um, we old but that yeah we are getting older uh but that is so that we can kind of put together we hope uh, an even better product and also um we're busy just we're doing a busy, lot man the we're, podcast generated a lot of it stuff did. for us it to actually do. it literally it really did, did. Yeah. <laughs> events and invitations to cur- curate events it's just yeah it's good stuff so uh but we are while we're not going to be doing the, the podcast weekly we are going to have content every day through social media uh like instagram uh and then also creating some other kinds of content like videos and, and all the like but to be able to do that we can't be recording every week so because we got day jobs and uh, we got to go to coffee shops and be cool. Sure. So thanks for tuning in and we will see you not next week, but the week after. Thanks. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to behind the scene. Just a quick reminder that the views expressed in this podcast are strictly that of Brandon's and mine and do not reflect that of our employer. Uh, And then second, if you enjoyed this content at all, we'd love it if you could like it and subscribe. And then of course, if you think you had know anyone who would benefit from this content or would like to engage with it, please share it with them as well. And we will see you next time.